What's going on, Military Cash Flow family? What's going on today with you, Mike? So you got the dancing, you got the nice background there and everything. Man. Yeah, up, man. The, the nice background kind of set up, changed the little camera setup. We are moving. We got a house in North Charlotte. So that's going to be amazing because right now we're in this tight ass apartment, you know, we're just trying to make do with what we got. But yeah, so we're really excited about that. By the end of this month, we'll be in there and the studio is going to get nice. It's going to get yeah. nice. Yeah, man. But uh, I'm so full of energy because I just ran seven miles this morning. Hey, wow, I feel the, good, man. The veins in his head. If you guys are watching this on the video, you see the veins in his head, like <laughs> faces a little flush, you know what I mean? You can tell he did some some vigorous exercises, you know, so. Hell cool. yeah. And, and then. As everybody knows, in North Carolina at 9 a.m., it's fucking 96 degrees. So, I mean, it was just hot as hell out there, man. Yeah. Well, what's going on. on with you, man? So, so I just moved up here literally two days ago. I mean, I got the boxes in the background and stuff. Like, you guys can't see it, but in front of me, it's just boxes everywhere. And this is going to be my office. So, I got to get this thing nice and I'm going to try to look, make it look as cool as yours. You know what I mean? So, and if you guys are watching this on uh, the video, you see I got my full beard now, you know, so I'm growing that out. And, uh, Trying to be like Mike over there, man. But uh <laughs> beard no, bros. Yeah. But um, so I'll be going to um going to grad school up here for the next uh basically two years. So I'm really excited about that, studying wealth management. Um finally moving up to North Carolina. I was not expecting for it to be this hot up here. I I you know, I thought I got away. I thought it was gonna be just a little a lot cooler because it's further north, right? And in Georgia, it's like 98 degrees, 99 degrees and stuff like that. Real feels like 103. And up here, I was like, man, it's still 96 degrees, 95 degrees up here. I, I just wasn't expecting it. So um, it's a little bit different, but I'm really excited about where we're at right now. We got deer in the backyard and like bunnies hopping and stuff like that. It's all like, <laughs> it's, I don't know, it's pretty cool. So uh, my yeah, kids love yeah. it at least. So I'm um, looking forward to finishing up moving in and then going to the pints and properties where uh, Mr. Mike Glassby will, will be speaking. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah, man. It's like, you know, for the audience, you know, Dan and I have met one, twice in person. Once. Once, be the second once time, in man. person. <laughs> so we're going to be for the second time, right? It feels like we've known each other for so fucking long, but it, we only met once in person. So now that he's in North Carolina, right down the street, we're going to be doing a lot more content together. Just hanging out man you know just <laughs> making it more a fish yeah man i'm looking forward to seeing uh seeing some of the team members and seeing like i'd say probably what a third or a fourth of the people that we've had on the podcast have came from this area come from yeah. uh are here in fayetteville so i'm really excited about <clears throat> putting putting being able to shake hands i guess i guess that way instead of the virtual high fives being able to shake hands so um it's good stuff but uh today's episode we got um we have uh, Nat Okir Bohr. Um, he's going to be coming on the show today. And uh, he, he just did his first duplex. He got his first duplex. He's uh goes by the Wolf of Watertown. I think he said he's going to change his name, but I don't know. I think that's just a dope name. He's up there at Fort Drum, <laughs> uh, the Wolf of Watertown. He's doing, doing, uh, starting his real estate journey. And um, he, he goes all into his whole entire story and how he came to get into real estate. So um, I'm really excited for you guys to hear this one. Mike. Yeah, he's, you know, to hear his journey, um, first generation immigrant and how that actually played with his mindset and, and what he wanted to accomplish, to find out that he went through all this stuff and was already in another college and then found a way to get accepted into West Point. That's that's something that's strange as hell. And then he talks about all of his uh, his his thought process behind acquiring his properties and how much he's learned in just one year. 
So, this, I mean, this is packed with gems, man. So I'm not doing it justice as always. So without further ado, let's get to it. Hey, how's it going? This is Dan Wynn. And Mike Glasby. And this is the Military Cashflow Podcast, where we teach service members how to build wealth and create passive cash flow through real estate. We cover real deals, real numbers, and real lessons learned from other successful investors. Now, whether you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening on the podcast, we need you to like, share, and subscribe. Now, let's get started creating this military cash flow. What's going on, military cash flow family? Today, we got a great guest, Nat Okir Bohr. Hey, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate that, man. Um, can you let us know a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're at, what you're doing in the real estate space? All right. So my name's Nat. Um, I'm from Jersey City, New Jersey. Was raised there for two years. Then I lived in Ghana. Was raised by my grandparents there for about five years. Came back to the U.S. Um, located in Jersey City. Had kind of like a rough start, you know, living in a single bedroom apartment, single mom, two sisters. I was the middle child. You know, my mom kind of had the whole kind of typical African mindset, you know, go to school and work real hard, become a doctor or lawyer one day. So that was kind of the plan for me. Started excelling in school, but money was always kind of like an issue. So we found, I found like small ways, to like make money along the way. And eventually ended up going to a magnet high school where it was about a 100% like college enrollment rate after graduating. But I applied to some schools, got in, and the financial aid packages were looking a little funny. So I had to like take that pause back and really analyze like how I was going to go to college and if I was going, like how exactly I was going to pay for it. So that's what led me to enlist in the National Guard my senior year of high school. So right after graduating, all my friends went on to college. I went over to basic training at Fort Jackson, ended up doing that did fairly well in the army as an enlisted soldier graduated distinguished honor grad of my ait at the time i ran in high school so running like a sub 11 minute two mile like kind of just made me stick out a little bit more <laughs> so eventually went to my guard unit in new jersey and my relationship with like the company commander and the lieutenant it was kind of like they were a little distant from soldiers. It wasn't really, you were seeing them one weekend a month and I kind of felt like I could do the job. So that was kind of like my first glimpse of thinking about trying to become an officer. But I ended up enrolling in Rutgers University, went there, tried the ROTC gig for a little bit, could not do it. My structure in life wasn't where it needed to be to live in that kind of environment and pursue an army officer career. So I decided to stop doing that. And while I was at Rutgers, when I, while I was at AIT, I actually found out about West Point through the brigade commander because he was a West Point graduate. So that kind of sparked an idea in my head, started talking to people, trying to network and decided to apply while I was at Rutgers. So I ended up going to, um, going to West Point in 2015, I commissioned in 2019 as an infantry officer. While at West Point, like academics was obviously pretty hard, um, boxed all throughout. So I wasn't really that focused on school stuff. I was more focused on the military aspect and and boxing. So ended up commissioning, went down to Fort Benning, 
did all that. Then I stationed at Fort Drum, New York. Been here for about two and a half years. I'm looking at PCS now to Triple C in October. So that's the next step for me. But I really started getting into real estate when I got to Fort Drum. Nice, 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 man. So you were there when I was there. We were there at the same time. I, I you know, it's kind of sucks. I, I literally just moved. When did I move from Drum? In 2020, I think. Yeah, I moved May 2020. Um, so that, that's interesting. But we'll, we'll talk more offline about that. that. That's cool, man. So yeah, man. Go ahead, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I got one question for you, man, because I'm always curious about this. So I got a lot of buddies in high school and in college that came from an African descent or from uh, Indian descent or from Latin American descent, whatever the case may be. But it seems like that what you mentioned, that that very strong influence, hey, go to school, become a doctor, become a lawyer mm -hmm. is really strong in that kind of like uh, first generation um, you know, immigrant yes. uh, household. Can you can you kind of talk us through that? Why why is that the case? Why is that the the thought pattern for a lot of the parents? So I think one is like their idea of success. What does success look like? Because my mom immigrated to Ghana um, from Ghana to the United States, and kind of like in our culture, it's your job to like take care of your parents. So even my mom, even though she was a single mom, she was an ICU nurse and she worked in Manhattan. Since we lived in Jersey City, she would take the path train back and forth. But most of her, their money was going back home to Ghana to support her parents. So it's kind of like what's seen as what's a high value job in a sense, because we don't really get a lot of information when it comes to financial literacy. Like my mom was really good at saving money and she has a retirement account. And that's about it in terms of like the idea of financial education. So that's kind of what was instilled in me and what a lot of Africans like instill in their parents and their children. But I also kind of think it has to do with kind of like a bragging right kind of thing. Like, oh, my son's a doctor, my uh, son's a lawyer, yeah. <laughs> something of that nature. So I think that also plays an influence into it as well. Yeah, I've noticed the same thing, man. Like um, other countries strongly, strongly, strongly value education. Um, I think it's, I think part of it has to do with um, it's so easily uh, accessible to us, right? Like we see all this around us, right? And I think when you come from different envir environments uh, or different countries that might not have the same accessibility to these things, um, it's viewed at in a different light. What, what do you think about that? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I absolutely agree. So for instance, my mom grew up in the village. So she would walk about 10 miles, like back and forth to school each day. And then afterwards, she would come back home. And my, my grandpa had a store he ran with my grandma. And it consisted of basically like selling bread, selling like milk, things of that nature, just everyday things. So afterwards, you know, she'd grab her basket, you know, you might have seen the pictures, you know, have it on her head, go to the market and sell food in order to provide money for her family. So in their mind, it's just the amount of work they had to do to get to the basic necessities is almost incomparable to how many things I have pushed on me in order to, like, produce a similar or a better outcome than what they had. Yeah, man. That's really interesting, man. That's really interesting. I, you know, I love, I love seeing the different points of view because I oftentimes I feel like here in the United States, all of us are isolated. Like we mm -hmm. believe that the United States is the norm 
for across the globe. And it's not just the case. So I really appreciate you sharing that information, man, and just kind of giving us a different look at it. Yeah, man. So you mentioned one thing. You said that uh, the high school that you went to had a hundred percent graduation rate. Was that in New mm-hmm. Jersey? You said that yes, was- it was. So I went to um, Ronald E. McNair, Dr. Ronald E. McNair Academic High School, and it's actually a magnet high school. So what happens is, so I went to uh, academic middle school, and it's basically to prepare you to try to get into McNair. So you take like a PSAT and entry letters, all those other kind of things, because the majority of schools in Jersey City are actually failing high schools. And there's like three schools that are kind of all right. And McNair is typically in the top 100 or like top 80 in the country. So you're really trying to get in or you're kind of like stuck in a weird situation. I I bring that up because um, the school, you, you said that you know, the scholarships were really looking funny, which kind of uh, led you to join to enlist. Right. So I, mm-hmm. I guess my question is, did the did the uh, the high school, they didn't like, um, I guess, prep you guys for for. Like actually going to college as far as uh, covering the rest of whatever financial aid, I mean, I just assume like a, a like good. No, yeah. So that's another issue there. So they prepare you by, you know, you can take the SAT, you have high GPAs, you're taking all these AP classes. But in terms of like actually how you're gonna, the idea of actually what it takes to go to college and stay in college, like isn't touched on at all. Just cause we have a 100% like college acceptance rate doesn't mean everyone goes to college and graduates because the typically like Rutgers University, which is a pretty good university, was looked at as kind of like a safety school for us in a sense, cause it's cheaper, it's a state school. But I had friends that went to maybe Duke University or Syracuse, and then they go for a year or two, realize they can't afford it anymore, and then come back, go to the community college, you know, or try to find some other way to get around it. But yeah, they but- prep you for the academics, that's about it. I bring that up because uh, like, I, I really uh, like that you saw the military as an out, right? So, I mean, it seems like you kind of joined the military um, for a way to pay for school, which I think there's a very, very large percentage of us that do that. And uh, some that some, I see other people, even some, some of my family members, they struggle their way and get a lot of student loans. And I, you know, I bring up the military as an option and especially the guard, right. Um, as an mm-hmm. option to pay for some of these things. And, and it's kind of scoffed at. So, why um why were you open to that Um, because it seems like your high school probably didn't i'm assuming there wasn't a bunch of recruiters like at your high school and you know trying trying to get you to to join so one what led you to that to that route and then two what allowed you to keep your mind open to that opportunity because you know your parents are thinking they want you to be a doctor and lawyer a lawyer i'm assuming soldier is like the furthest thing (laughs) Mm. furthest thing from that right yeah so Actually, while I was in high school, I did JROTC for about two years, and then I decided to stop. But one of my boys, he was he wasn't didn't go to the same high school, but he was about a year ahead of me. He enlisted in the National Guard and told me he ended up getting kicked out for other reasons. But he told me, yeah, they pay 100% um, state tuition. So that's when I started like doing a little bit of research on my own. I never really saw myself in the army at all. Like if you would have asked me in high school, even my senior year, if you would have asked me, hey, are you interested in the army? I would have probably laughed at you. But I just started doing more and more research. And it just seemed like 
either stay in Jersey City and try to figure out something, which probably wouldn't end well for me in the long run, or like taking a shot at this. So I already saw someone go through the National Guard and they were telling me their experience with it. So it made me a little bit more comfortable with the idea of it. And I didn't really feel like I had a safety net in Jersey City to stay. Yeah, man. So that that brings up the another question I wanted to ask you is, so when I heard of West Point, I was a grown man already mm-hmm. in the military. And then mm-hmm. I was like, what? I could have got a free education? Yeah. So do you think like hindsight being 2020 in your high school, if you had known that something existed out there like West Point where you'd be mm-hmm. 100% free tuition and you could graduate as an officer, would you have considered it back then? Um, honestly, in the very beginning, probably not. But the whole idea of it is I live in Jersey City. West Point is less than an hour and a half across the oh. river from me. And I didn't know about it at all, which is just <laughs> berserk because right now I have two of my boys that work for diversity admissions at West Point, right? And I'm trying to talk to my cousin about being interested in West Point because one of my fraternity brothers works in the region that he lives in. And, you know, he's like not answering text messages, things like that. I'm like, once you get to the senior year point, you're going to realize because I think what's sold sold to a lot of us is, you know, if you're a minority, if you have good grades, you get good test scores, you're somehow magically just gonna go to college for free. And it's not like that at all. Like, like it's not like that at all. Once this opportunity opened up, I kind of kicked myself in, in the back. Like, I can't believe like I missed this because I just wasted a few years of my life trying to figure out like the best route when I could have done this from the very beginning. I feel like, you know, the only way you hear about West Point is from someone else who either went or like someone who mm-hmm. really knows about it. Because like I was yeah. I think I was a second year, second or third year in my ROTC before I finally like, oh, so there's these this there's different commissioning sources. I knew about OCS mm-hmm. and I knew about ROTC. I did not know about West Point. So that's kind of weird that um that it's like that. It's like we find out too late. It's not it's not even introduced mm-hmm. or no one even mentions it like in high school yeah. or even before then, especially because to your point, right, you said you know, once you get, to, I think you were going to say that once you get to your senior year, it might start to be a little bit too late, right? Because you got to prep mm-hmm. for these things. Um, yeah. So it's interesting that, you know, uh, that you say that. All right, let's take a quick break. I hope you're enjoying this awesome episode. If this episode has got you pumped up and you're looking for more ways to learn, network, and take action, make sure you go over to www.militarycashflow.com where we're doing our absolute best to provide our military community with tons of value. Here's just a few things you'll find when you go to militarycashflow.com. You'll find our books. You'll find the Military Cashflow Facebook group, where we have thousands of new and experienced military investors networking and asking and answering questions. You'll find our Military Cashflow real estate investing course that teaches you everything you need to know to buy a cash flowing producing asset We teach you how to find the deal, how to analyze, how to renovate, how to build your team and maintain that property. You'll find our one-on-one coaching programs. And when you're ready to start taking action and invest, or you're looking just to PCS, we'll even vet and find an investor and military-friendly realtor in your area at zero cost to you. So make sure you head over to www.militarycashflow.com to get access to all these great tools. And lastly, 
And I would almost say most importantly, make sure you share this information with another military member that might find it valuable. And with that said, let's get back into this episode. So, um, so you went to West Point, graduated, you went to, uh, went to I Bullock, had some fun there. Um, I remember my mm-hmm. times there. It was, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's fun times, but, um, so you went to I Bullock, had some fun there and then you get to Fort drum, man. How did you, one, uh, actually before I even get down that, how did your mom feel again? Cause she's wanting you to, you know, highly valued education, you know, a, a lot mm-hmm. of, I noticed at least a lot of, um, a lot of first generation, those parents typically don't want their kids to join the military. How, how mm-hmm. was that conversation with your mom or, you know, with your, with your parents when uh, you brought that up, like, Hey mom, I'm joining the military and this is mm-hmm. the route that I'm going. How did that go? So, and I, it was kind of weird. It's two different parts of that. The first was when I enlisted out of high school. So all my friends were going to college and I was going to basic training. I think that was conversation was a little bit more than offish, not understanding. And at the time I was like talking to my dad every like now and then, like very rarely, but through my uncle, we were having like conversations. And I told him like, I was going through a rough patch at home a little too. I told him, yeah, I enlisted. I'm going to basic training as soon as I graduate. And his response was very like negative. Just like, why are you going to go die for like the country? Like things of that nature, just like, you know, the stereotypical things that you could imagine. He said, that's what he kind of said. But when I got into West Point, I actually, because I was dormant at Rutgers at the time. So the fact the acceptance got mailed to my house in Jersey City. So my mom got it, opened it up and she had no idea like, what it was but she went to work because she works in manhattan and she was telling her co-workers yeah my son's going to just got accepted to west point and he's probably think, like more than likely gonna go and her co-workers reactions was let what <laughs> led to her positive reaction because she had no idea what west point was either because they were all ecstatic like just having going crazy like are you serious like he got in like wow, that's big. And then she's like, what, what is this? So that's when she started to dig in and do her own research about it. And then that's all she talked about for like the next year. That's awesome. I can imagine, I can imagine her just like, yeah, my son's going to West Point, I guess. Everybody freaking Mm -hmm. out. And then I can see her slightly getting more excited. Yes. (laughs) My son is going there. That's awesome, man. That's great. So, so, okay. So you graduate. Now you're feeling good. You go to eyeballs, you go to Fort drum. And now you talk about you're here in Fort drum, which is one of the, I heard is one of the coldest damn places in the damn world, but you found that you're going to start getting into real estate. So talk us through that journey. Talk us to why even real estate even triggered in your mind. And then, you know, why you got started, why you chose real estate as an asset. All right, so I got to drum like very quickly, like moved to become a PL, did that gig for a little. So rewind a little bit. When I first got to drum, COVID was still a big thing. So I was staying in a hotel and I was looking, prior to even coming, I was looking for places to stay, like scheduling things so I could come and actually view them before I signed any lease agreements. So I'm going around and the majority of these places are just trash. It's just like the worst apartments you could think of the one place i found was kind of a big apartment company parkstead and they have many different like areas within the city so i signed the lease there and my rent at the time was 1090 
you paid like $20 per month that was allocated towards trash. Another 15 was like allocated towards water. And then it was also broken up. You, you paid your own electricity and gas. So I was paying about maybe $1,200, $1,300 a month for that alone. But that didn't really trigger anything. What really started to trigger things is like close to like the end of my first year, I was really thinking like, I don't know if I can do this army thing for too long. Not, I, it's an easy job, but there's certain small frustrations where you sit back and you're like, why is this like this? Like, why, like I just, something my brain just couldn't comprehend. So I really sat there with myself and thought, so if I was getting out the army, like what would I do exactly? Because we've had soldiers in the past where you talk to them like, hey, you should really consider staying in. They leave the army. Next you know they're working at Walmart or a few months later, you find out they're back in the army. So I'm thinking to myself, like, what would I do if I got out of the army right now? And in my mind, I was thinking, well, I'd probably go get my MBA. So I figured hypothetically, if I could figure out some way to have the army or scholarships pay to get an MBA, like how would I support myself while I'm getting my MBA? And that's when like I took a real long pause and thought like I wouldn't be able to. And going back home really isn't an option in my mind. So I start like doing some research, listening to a bunch of podcasts, like you guys, shout out to Soren Erickson. He introduced me to you guys about mid last year. Start doing some research, you know, of course, Red Rich Dad, Poor Dad, a whole bunch of like book, books about money. And I thought, well, real estate could work. And I also had a lot of fraternity brothers that are stationed all over the United States. You know, one of them bought a house, a duplex actually, and he was house hacking it. Another one owns like a single family home. So I'm thinking, is there really, how much risk is there if I could find a house? that was at least two units and the cost, average cost was less than what I was paying now. Worst case scenario, it doesn't work out, but I'm still paying less each month than what I would be otherwise. So that's kind of where it started. Yeah, man. So what, and what did you find? I mean, cause I, I was in Watertown too, man. You said like $1,200 a month. I'm thinking, man, you were living somewhere nice, dude. I think I, I was paying like $750 when I was up there by myself. I was looking, mm-hmm. like, I was looking at a little a ratty place though, but it, it is yeah. what it is. But um, so what did you find out through that journey of doing, doing, uh, running the numbers? I mean, I know the Watertown market, I'm, I'm familiar with it and like what the numbers mm-hmm. look like, but what did you find out? Can you kind of paint a picture for us of what it looks like in that area if you were to buy a duplex around how much we, we how much are we talking about uh the average duplex is how much you know would you typically cash flow like what does that look like you know from your perspective? so when i first started you could expect to get a duplex around one anywhere from like 100 to like actually it goes up to like 200k on like the units where it's like no repairs needed but typically you're looking around 140k in order to buy a duplex i saw like a, a quadplex for about 250 in evan evans mills but typically you can expect something within the 100,000 dollar range and you can expect to generate anywhere between 300 and 500 dollars per door in this area 
Yeah, man. I, I noticed that um I had another soldier that was up there and we kind of uh went well I had a couple soldiers um up there that helped uh coach him into getting their first uh rentals. Now this was 2019, so the price might have been a little bit different, but we were finding homes like sub 100 and you know rent oh, yeah. yeah, renting each side for like 900 a month and stuff. And uh -huh. then the thing about the BAH up there is absolutely is is like is it's pretty good for yeah, second lieutenant, or really anybody, NCO, I mean, you're getting over $1,000, I think, what, 14, 15, uh, depending on your rank, even, you know, yeah. to lieutenant captain, you're getting, what, 17, 18 stuff, right? So, I yeah. mean, I think the price to rent ratio is is really, really good um, if you're looking at uh, buying uh, real estate up there. And I have some NCOs up there right now that are still buying um, uh, multifamilies I'll have to introduce you to, but um when you when you did that analysis right and you started looking at the homes and you're like all right well uh i'm i'm seeing this price point this is what i can get turnkey and it's rent ready uh kind of like what mm. what was the what were the next steps from there for you so so for me i saw it, it, the first thing happened was i dealt with one realtor when we started looking at houses because i was just trying to get like a feel of everything and I don't know if it's my appearance or what it was, but I felt she wasn't taking me seriously enough or every time we would. So I initially went into like purchasing my first home as an investment. I wasn't thinking about like, oh, like it's the floor nice. Like I was going into it, like from the very beginning thinking I'm trying to get a good investment property. But it was also like my first time purchasing anything that much even though the cost of houses are a lot low, cheaper than in other places it's still like a commitment that i hadn't like taken on before so i went in and started looking at homes i i ended up switching realtors found a home for seventy two thousand dollars not 72 it was more than 72 it was around 80 something but i negotiated literally every step of it and got it down to close at seventy two thousand dollars but once I first found it, even after I like signed the first contract, I was still calling like some of my friends and mentors like, yeah, I found this house. Like, you know, I've done the calculations. It looks good. But I was still hesitant about it the whole way through. And then eventually I, I told my I just like kind of like, all right, like, come on, you said we're going to do it. Like, let's do it and get it over with. So I just kind of had to like push myself to actually full send it and then once I got through with that deal I just kept going afterwards you know a lot of people have that feeling especially on their first property where they start to feel mm -hmm. that kind of anxiety right it, it wasn't analysis paralysis for you because you you actually did the step but so yeah. many people have it I mean I even bought one property for sixty thousand dollars that rented out for nine hundred dollars mm -hmm. another property opened up down the street for seventy thousand and I was like oh I don't know I'm you know what I mean? And now looking back on it, I'm just an idiot. Yeah. So, so that's yeah. a common feeling even throughout, you know, this journey. But one thing that you said that I, I, I really want to kind of hone in on is you said that when you went and spoke with this realtor, she didn't take you serious at first. Now, you uh -huh. also said that you were kind uh -huh. of going in with an investor mindset. Were you kind of talking to that realtor like as an investor to saying, hey, I want this type of return. I want to make sure it cash flows. Was that kind of the conversation in the beginning? No, so I don't I was not using that kind of dialogue. I just like had the pretense of I'm looking for a multifamily home. 
And so that okay. might have been some of my mistakes. I know I made a lot of mistakes like very early on, especially with the first property. But I changed a few things like going on that I feel kind of benefited. Yeah, yeah man. And you did the right thing by finding another realtor. But just for mm -hmm. everybody out there, as realtors are realtors are testing you just as you're testing a realtor, right? So a realtor can just look at you and be like, mm, you're asking a lot of questions, but you're not making progress. I'm not going to take you seriously. And I know that that mm -hmm. happens a lot for the newer investors as well, because they don't really know how to be very direct. So just keep mm -hmm. that in mind, you know, for those who are listening. Yeah. That's good. So, well, first off, kudos to you, man, for, um, for one, thinking with the end in mind, Hey, I'm going to this as an investment. I'm going to buy it. Of course, I'm going to live in it, but I'm, I'm looking at this at the, at the end stages, not just at the beginning of stages. Cause I see a lot of service members out there and I'm sure you've seen it too, where they're like, mm -hmm. man, I'm going to get whatever I can afford. And they're not thinking that, Hey, I'm about to, I'm about to, yeah. you know, PCS in three years later. So kudos to you for thinking with an end in mind and, and realizing that, Hey, this is an investment property. Yes, I will live in it. And it will be a use asset for us, you know, a set period of time, but ultimately this is an, a long-term asset for me. And I'm thinking, uh, uh, with it as an investment and then two uh kudos to you for actually taking action man a lot of people you know yeah. you're getting that analysis paralysis kind of like you mentioned and, mm -hmm. and you know we don't take that next step so so that's awesome man um how did you how did you finance this did you use a va loan or what what did you do to do uh to to secure it yeah so i use a va loan looking back now i would have probably one i would have started a lot earlier because even like earlier this year the market started getting a little crazy but I financed it using a VA loan. I would have went with like an FHA loan if I were to go back and do it over. Why? Why? Yeah. Because the houses here are just so cheap. It's just, it made no sense, you know? Yeah, so- It just uh, made no sense. Uh, to, just to expound on that a little bit, uh, I completely agree. Um, now, everybody's different. 72,000 might, you know, with your budget might've been very, very, you know, cheap. And especially you thinking with thinking of it as mm -hmm. an investment might've been cheap, but for, for some people, like I've had a, a private and we've had privates and we've had specialists go and buy it. $72,000 like, eh, you know what I mean? You might, maybe they don't have any cash saved up. And yeah. I'm assuming you might've had the, 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 the capital runway to actually do that. So, mm -hmm. but yes, I completely agree though. If you can swing yeah. it then, and you can put 15% down or 20% down, just use a traditional, you know, a traditional, um, loan product and, you know, then, then do that. Um, cause you can save that VA loan for something a little bit more expensive down the road. Like yeah. I said, you're looking to PCS, uh, here soon. I'm assuming you're going to triple C back at bidding. If you're staying infantry, if not, maybe, you, you know, mm -hmm. you're going somewhere else, but either way, after you get from bidding, you're going to go somewhere else. Maybe you go to JBLM or maybe you go to freaking, you know, DC, who knows. Right. And you yeah. know, you're going to want a little bit more, uh, um, uh, you're going to want a little bit more. You're, you're not going to want to have spent a lot of your money on the VA loan, if that makes sense. You're going to want more entitlement. I guess that's the, yeah. that's the way to say. So, yeah, man, I, I completely agree with you there. Now, um, can you walk us through like what the what the number? So you bought it for 72, right? You had a VA loan. Yeah. What did the numbers look like for you? And then also, um, what what were you able to pocket in your B, uh, as far as like BAH wise? So. As like I said, we closed on it for seventy two thousand. I think my interest rate on that was about two point seven. We what else? The closing cost was just over two thousand dollars, about twenty four hundred, I would say. And it was my monthly payments. Everything escrowed together was about five forty three because I did. Uh, I ended up doing a twenty five year loan instead of thirty year because at that point the numbers were so low. 
it was just kind of, I was just like, all right, we'll just do a 25 year in order to get the slight better interest rate. So we did that. I automatically moved straight into the bottom unit. Now, I think COVID might've played a role with this because the home, later on in the situation, I tried to do a burr with it. I tried to do a cash out refinance and it didn't end up working because initially when the home was appraised due to COVID, they weren't actually coming in person to do the appraisal. So what ended up happening is I moved in and then started doing repairs in the in both units almost immediately. And I literally ran into a tenant issue the minute I moved in. So that's a whole story in and of itself. But now the property is doing fairly well. So like I said, the monthly payments are about 543. The bottom unit right now is rented for 900 and the top unit is rented for 850. So you're no longer living it right now. No, I'm not. Okay, got it. So even if you were living it, you said the top unit was rented for what? Nine hundred. Well, right, right now, right now it's rented for eight fifty. The top unit and the bottom one is rented for nine hundred. Okay, so just yeah. putting that in perspective for everybody that's out there listening, right? Um, so Nat went and used the VA loan, bought a seventy-two thousand dollar home, and it cash flows. Uh, I mean, he's he's basically if you were living in one, if you were still living in the bottom unit, his top mm-hmm. unit is still making eight fifty. His mortgage was about five fifty. Right. So his cash flow on three hundred dollars. Yeah. And then he's still living in the bottom unit for free. And how much was your BH that you are now pocketing? Um, Just over thirteen hundred. So like thirteen thirty. So so just think about what that would do for your financial situation if you were to really explore this as an option for you and your family. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm talking to the audience out there. Right. So you find a duplex, you're, you're able to cash flow, and then you're able to keep all of your BH. That's an additional, for Nat, for example, that's an additional $1,600 that yeah. he's literally pocketing. So he, an extra $1,600, I mean, that, bravo. Good stuff. Yeah, that's, it's awesome. Cra- that's awesome. It's crazy. Once I got a taste, it was just like, like why didn't I pull the trigger earlier? That's what everybody says that gets into real estate and they start seeing the fruits yeah. of their labor. They're like, damn, if I had only started at 18 you know, whatever. Yeah. So, so what's next for you, man? So what's kind of your vision as far as the next investment? Where do you want this to grow? How many do you want to have? Where do you see yourself in the game of real estate in the next five to 10 years? So my goal right now would be to get to like a level where I'm bringing in about 10k per month of just straight residual income so right now I'm currently trying to find another home in the area it's honestly the houses that are here right now aren't the best or they're still a little bit on the more overpriced end to where the numbers aren't making sense but I'm also speaking to a realtor down at in the Fort Benning area already to try to find a home down there Excellent, man. So for that Columbus area is my market. So if you need some people, let mm-hmm. me know. And I can, you know, I've been buying there for a while. Um, but, right. and, I, and also, if you're looking to buy more in Watertown, I'll introduce you some people as well. I've got a few property managers and, and other soldiers that are, are continuing to buy in the area. Um, just uh, quick questions, right? Based off mm-hmm. that, um, based off of your first deal, you mentioned that you were having some tenant issues right off the bat. Can you kind of, yep. you know, I know you don't want to go into, you might not want to go into complete detail, but just kind of give us an overlay of what that looked like and what are some of the other issues and things that other people should be looking for um, if they're attempting to do the same things? What are some lessons learned, basically? All right. Yeah, some lessons learned. So 
I'll start off by giving a quick story of what exactly happened. So I closed pretty sure like on the first or the second for my first property. And it, before, when I first did the walkthrough and everything of the home, both units were already occupied by tenants. The first unit was running for like maybe 500. The second unit was running for like 700. But the place was, it, it was pretty disgusting. Like structure was good, but like cosmetically, it was, it was pretty trash. So they moved out, the owner moved out the bottom unit so I could move in. But I was under the impression that the top unit, which was a single mother of two, was staying in the unit because that's what was agreed upon. So after I signed all the paperwork at my lawyer's office, I go in, like knock on the door to introduce myself and also collect because I got the security deposit and also collect the rent. Knock on the door. Obviously, someone's home, but no one's answering. This goes on for a few days. Next day, I come back and... I see trash, like a whole bunch of trash outside of the house. Nothing's happening, not, I leave a note like, hey, I'm the new landlord, please give me a call. You know, I'm just trying to like, you know, get face. And nothing happens through that. So at the time we were going back and forth, we we're doing summer training at West Point. So I was going over there to train cadets. So whenever I could take pass, I take pass just to like come check on like what's going on. So I came back and then something tells me like, no one's up there, like just open the door, which I don't really advise, but I opened the door, went up and the place is completely wiped out. No one's there. And so I'm like, all right, this is weird. I try to call my realtor at the time. He doesn't answer. So I eventually ended up switching to a third realtor who I now work with like all the time, but end up going and it turns out the woman was using some kind of government assistance or she was on some list. So she got into a home somewhere else and she was trying to communicate with the former landlord, but she never like, they never came to any con concise agreement. And since I inherited the lease, now it was like my responsibility, but she comes back like a few weeks later while I have contractors, I'm at West Point, contractors are working on the home and she leaves a note with them saying, hey, um, I need to talk to the landlord, whatever the case is. And she came back solely because now I had the security deposit. <laughs> so she came back looking for the security deposit. And that's the only reason why she reached out. So I talked to her, like, explained to her, like, that's not really how it works. Technically, she owes the month rent because up to, like, the eighth, she was still in the unit. She was just choosing to, like, kind of duck and dodge me. So, like made a bunch of like false threats nothing ever happened i ended up like getting the place renovated just paint and floor changes and then rented it out for that's when i rented it out for 850 at that time she was paying like seven something so i rent i raised the rent by over 100 within less than a month and had a new tenant in which was a soldier and his wife and that worked out pretty well but some of the things i've noticed too because the way I was putting tenants in was through apartments.com. And I would make an ad on Craigslist that would link to apartments.com since I self-managed. So when it links you to apartments.com, you know, you pay your $20 fee or whatever, and you put, put in your application. What I found out was certain individuals that have certain criminal records, depending on what it is, sometimes it won't be provided 
on apartments.com, such as if there's a minor involved, or some kind of special agent involved, whatever the case may be. So after you get that information, actually go on Google and do a Google search. That's literally like the best way to figure out like if their credit score is good, if their income is good, also go on Google and do that additional search to buffer because I got in another situation where a tenant was not who I thought he was and had to get rid of him. Yeah, man, those are some good lessons learned, man. Those are really good lessons learned. And really quick, when did you close on this on this property again? You said, was it right before COVID or or during COVID? Or it, after was, COVID? it was in August of 2020. Okay, so okay, no, so, oh, 2021. Sorry, 2021. Oh, so you were already kind of through like a little bit of the COVID stuff. Okay, okay yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I was gonna yeah. say, man, you came in at an interesting time, man. That's uh, yeah, <laughs> that was good. Yeah, stuff. That, that would have been rough, yeah, if it was like through peak COVID. Nice, okay, yeah, you found it, but you fa still found a really great property. I'm gonna be honest, you know, yeah. some people are, are wishing they could find properties for that 70 to $80,000 range mm -hmm. that have the opportunity to rent out for a combined $1,700 a month. Yeah. That's insane. You know? Yeah. And the beautiful thing about that is as you're going through your career, you said you wanted to get $10,000 a month in passive income. Why mm -hmm. those purchase prices, man? I mean, you yeah. can probably pay those off in five years, six years, you know, and then yeah. now the, all of it is your cash flow. Yeah, so that, that's one of the things that, that I liked about uh, Watertown was because of the cash flow. It's a very, 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 I think it's one of the best cash flow markets that I know out there for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as some of the cons of, you know, obviously there's always, if you, if you have a high cash flow market, usually those homes are not going to appreciate in value at all, yeah. uh -huh. <laughs> at all over time. Right. And then, uh, and then lastly, you got to deal with New York, man. Like, like I was literally, uh, I was very close to buying, um, a duplex in in Watertown, but um, understanding that it was such a tenant friendly state, and mm -hmm. like you know, I was going to ask you if you dealt with anything like any any tenants like not paying rent over the mm -hmm. uh, eviction moratorium period because man, I know people were out there getting hurt, especially in like the tenant friendly states like New York. Man, they were just mm -hmm. like not having even, that in, at all. even in the landlord friendly states, we was getting yeah. hurt. Like <laughs> yeah. hurt everybody, man. Yeah. yeah. So I actually dealt with this like so when I put it was in that same that same duplex where I had the soldier and his wife living up there because he recent like four or five months ago he deployed so you know canceled the lease because his wife moved back home and actually, this is the same guy I'm talking about that I ended up putting in ended up putting a guy in that uh, obviously kind of overlooked a big part, which was like his criminal record, which wasn't available, but put him in. And it turns out that he wasn't actually living in the residence, but he signed the lease for his girlfriend or someone else to move into the residence. So some woman moved into the residence. So did a home inspection. I, I started like hearing things around and she missed like the first month's rent. So I was like, all right, let me go see what's up. Put it, left the note in order to do a home inspection. And it was like the answer to I had her like, she said she was at work, started getting down the street. Like it was a clown show. Called the cops to like escort me in, but just recorded everything I saw. I was like, all right, this is a bad situation. I need to get her out. So I talked to the city constable and started the eviction process. But then like doing some research, you know, like came across the whole cash for keys method. 
and that's when you offer your um the tenant money in order to like move. So basically, I told her, hey, I'll give you like three weeks. You need to find a place. Like, I'm not going to help you find a place. You know, I could send you like some recommendations of places. And then I will give you money for either like your first month's rent or like whatever money you need in order to move. Because from talking to the constable, first, it's like, all right, first you give them the, the citation or, or the notification. Then you need to wait maybe a month or two, go to court. Mm -hmm. And then it could always end up against you for some weird reason. And I'm PCS and my report date's October. I'm like, all right, I, I don't have time to play this game. I need to get her out quick. So like active friendly, you know, try to be relatable and understand her situation. Like, yeah, I understand, but this isn't the right way to do this. Like these are the 10 different places where you've broken the lease. Like it's really not gonna end well, but you know, I'm willing to help you out. So if you can find a place with, like I'm, you're helping me out and then I'll help you out because like, I really don't have time to play this game. So I literally offered her money, boom, she took it. She was gone like pretty quickly. So that's always a method. I mean, you you kind of lose some kind of pride, but in the long run, like if you can replace the tenant pretty quickly and like you can take the lessons you learned from like how you input them, like you'll go a lot further than playing the game of going to court and like all that other nonsense. That's a beautiful lesson for everybody listening right there. You handle that very well. A lot of times mm -hmm. people will panic. A lot of times they'll be like, yeah. what do I do? Call attorneys and all this other stuff. But you went in there cool, calm and collected. Yeah. You evaluated the situation and you just said, hey, look, let's work together. And mm -hmm. if you if you can act in that manner, a lot of times all of these troubles that we have with tenants mm -hmm. can, can start to disappear. So uh, again, massive applause there in the audience. You guys can really take, really take something from that, right? Just think about the approach that you have with in these hostile situations. Yeah. Yeah, man, I a hundred percent agree with uh, what Mike said there. Um, I do have one last question for you. Uh, so what are you, you said you're PCS and you're about to go to triple C. So what are mm -hmm. your plans for the property now? And how do you plan to manage the property while you're away? Cause right now you're saying you're self-managing, right? So yes, um, are you, can, are you planning on continuing to do that? Are you planning on like trying to sell the property? Like what, what's your plans for the property? So, yeah, I have no plans on selling the property. Like what I'm looking for right now, I've been talking around, looking around, trying to find like the best property manager, someone I can trust. Like one thing I've noticed up here, and I could be wrong, but I feel like a lot of people aren't good at managing their businesses. And because of that, I'm kind of worried, but the best case scenario is for me to just find the best option possible and having to manage the properties because like just trying to manage from Georgia just doesn't seem feasible. It, it'd probably be a lot more headache than anything else. So I'm looking for a property manager right now. Yeah. I got, I got somebody in mind for you. Um, but All right. I definitely uh, agree with you there. And I think you're, I think that's probably the right move, you know, cause uh, <laughs> yeah. especially in high cash flow markets, you will notice mm -hmm. that there's typically more transient people, right? And when it and when yeah. there's more transient people, people moving out all the time, then there's more management that you have to do as a as a property manager. Um, mm -hmm. And then you couple that again with a, a very 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 tenant friendly state, uh, you can run into a lot of issues if you're trying to just hey, I mean, you already said it yourself, this guy's ducking and dodging me, and I'm knocking on the door. Imagine yeah. what I'm gonna do with the phone call, you know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that, cool, Recipe for disaster for sure. That's awesome, man. So um, absolutely. 
You got you got one else other Mike? No, no, no. I just think yeah. you're I think you're right on the money, man, because uh and I love I love your statement that where you said you just don't feel like people know how to manage their business. And mm. I love that because a lot of times people are working with realtors, property managers, CPAs, attorneys, whatever, because they like them. Yeah. Hey, good on you, man. But if they can't manage their business, you're going to have issues with slow response. You're going to have issues with, hey, why isn't this done yet? So forth and so on. So I, I, your head is definitely in the right place. And you've learned a lot within this mm -hmm. short time frame. You said August yeah. 2021 to yeah. where we're at now. I mean, it's not even a, oh, now it's a full it's, year. And now it's a year, yeah. Actually, yeah, now, now it's a year. year. Yeah. So, I mean, you've learned a lot, man. You're You're well on your way, man. This is some good stuff. Yeah, man. So um, with that said, like, what do you have any advice for anyone out there that's trying to do the same thing, right? They're in, they're in a similar mm -hmm. position and they're like, hey, you know, I want to pocket my BH. I want to do this. What would, what would like one piece of advice be uh, for any service members out there trying to do the same thing? So one, the first thing, like in this specific area, Watertown, just because like the price of homes, people kind of think, well, it's easy for you to get into it because, you know, a house costs $100,000. That's not necessarily the case. Like, yes, you could buy a house in Washington, D.C. that costs $400,000, but yet, my, like one of my friends lives out there, a one bedroom, and he's paying $2,100 a month for rent. So it's the same numbers. It's just like doubled or tripled, but it's the same principles that apply. So you can literally take the fundamentals and apply it no matter where you're at. It just has to make sense. And I would also recommend getting your own personal finance in line prior to actually investing. Because like, if you're not contributing to your TSP already, like that's a red flag. You know, if you don't have an emergency fund, I don't really recommend six months, maybe like two, three months if you're in the army or any kind of branch, like have that set up first. And then like find out the basics of what you need and then pull the trigger right away. Like you're a lot of people go to school, right? Let's say you go to school, go get well educated, and you try to apply to a job, like they're gonna want some kind of work experience, right? So you read all the books, listen to the podcast. Yes, that's your education right there. But where's your work experience? Like get out there and start making moves. You're gonna learn like a lot quicker than you think. Excellent, man. Hey, I, I definitely uh, uh, double down on what, what Nat said about having your personal finances in order. Um, that is a, a very, very key component that a lot of times we just gloss over because we like talking about real estate, right? But we don't mm -hmm. talk about, hey, man, what, what's your what's your savings rate? Do you have some money saved aside? Are you using your last little nickel and dime to buy that real estate and you're not on a solid financial foundation yourself? You know, especially if you have family and kids and stuff like that, it's all great to take risks, but they got to be calculated and deliberate risks. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, I definitely, definitely agree with you. Uh, with yeah. what you said there. Absolutely. Now people are excited, man. People are thinking about, hey, I want to talk to the wolf of Watertown. Or I want to learn. Or I want to learn how the hell to get into West Point. So anybody who has questions for you, man, how can they get in contact with you? How can they find you? Yeah, I don't have a big Instagram um, social media presence, but you can find me on Instagram at Kingfolk Finance. That's K I N F O L K Finance, and on YouTube as well. I, I'm trying to imitate you guys a little bit, also at Kingfolk Finance. K I N F O L K Finance. 
Awesome, man. man. And we're going to make sure we have those in the show, note, show notes as well. And, you know, we have an abundance mindset here at Military Cash Flow, so we do not mind that people rip off and duplicate what we got going. <laughs> it's all about sharing sharing the knowledge, man. It's about helping yeah. the community as a whole. So, again, for all those who are listening, if you want a fresh take on it, go check them out at Kinfolk Finance. I like that. Yeah. yeah. And we rebranded from the Wolf of Watertown. We're moving, so we had to change it up. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. When I saw the Wolf of Watertown, you like introduced yourself. There, I was like, man, that's pretty dope. Because I watched a couple of your videos too, man. And I, and I subscribe. We subscribed as well. So I mean, you make good content, dude. So if you guys are out there and you're wanting, it, like, like I said, a, a different take, you know, a, another perspective, uh, then definitely check it out. Because you're not only talking about real estate, you're talking about a bunch of other finances, and then also just like life in the army as well, like what that what that's mm -hmm. like. So. Um, any listeners out there, you're thinking about, you know, switching to the officer side or something like that, then definitely go check it yeah. out and see what it, see what it's like. So, um, Nat, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate, uh, you spending some time with us and sharing your story. Uh, any last, any parting words? No, man. Thank you for having me. And if you're watching just get after it, like, don't hesitate. You'll learn, adapt and overcome. Excellent. Excellent. Well, with that said, this is Dan Wynn and Mike Glassby signing off.